You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. It's good to have you along and listening today as we finish up our look at the book of Jonah. We'll be looking at Jonah chapter 4, looking at the authority of God, the authority of God, today on Words of Encouragement. We are finishing the book of Jonah. We are at the fourth chapter and we're going to make it through this chapter today. Uh, So I'm excited about it and some of you may be too, uh, but I have enjoyed this look into the book of Jonah. There is so much in this book uh, that teaches us about God, about ourselves, certainly shines a spotlight on human nature in ways that uh, some other areas do not in the Bible. Uh, but that's obviously why, why this book is here, to teach us, uh, <coughs> to teach us that we do have a choice when God gives us a command. But the response, our choice, <laughs> should be, Yes, Lord, here, where do we need to go next? You know, yes, Lord, where do you want me to do? When do you want me to start? When God commands us, we should respond in the affirmative. But we find out in uh, the book of Jonah what can happen, and I'm not going to say, you know, just you might say, well, I'll just stay away from a body of water. I'll be fine if I say no to God's command. This is, not, this is not a prescription here of what will happen to you if you disobey God, but it is one of the things that happened to one of His people who did disobey Him. And so it could be anything. It could be something different, much different than this if you decide to say to God, you know what, no, I'm not going to do that. I know you want me to, but I'm, not, I'm just going to say no. Think about that. Think about a loving God who is, wants to use you in this world in such a way to bring Him glory, to make a difference for the kingdom. Think about that when He calls on you to do something. Think about the honor and privilege it is that He even calls on us and wants to use us in this world. So really, you know, really for us to say no is just... We're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on something that God wants to do in and through us when we say no. Uh, I'm going to leave it right there. I remember growing up watching Billy Graham on television. I used to marvel at how many people would walk the aisle at the response time. I used to look at that and think, look at that. Look at all those people making their way down to, the, to, down to that stadium, you know, down to that ground at the bottom of the stadium. Later, as I was growing up, I realized that the first ones out of the stands were the counselors. I thought, oh, well, okay. And someone, because someone had said, it's just a bunch of counselors going down. That's not, there's not a lot of, you know, people making decisions. It's just, oh, no, there were a lot making decisions. But, and so, therefore, you had to have a lot of counselors down there to talk with them one-on-one as they came uh, and so I understood then later that a lot of counselors were making their way down right at the beginning when he first made the call uh, of the invitational call. I then began to listen to Billy Graham's preaching. 
as I got older and realized, you know, began to form in my mind what is good preaching, what is poor preaching, what is preaching, <laughs> what is good, you know. And I, I, when I went to seminary and I began listening to Billy Graham again, I thought, huh, you know, he's not all that dynamic. He simply preaches the Word, which helped me understand something very important. I realize that the salvation of souls is not dependent upon the ability to craft the greatest sermon ever preached, but on the ability of God through His Holy Spirit to touch the hearts of sinners. That's what I learned. And, and, and so you can have the poorest preacher, but if he's preaching the Word of God, there's power behind the Word of God and God will move. When His Word is preached, God will use it, even if, if it's a poor preacher. I realize that. The message of the gospel has power to change lives when it is shared, even by someone who's not the best pulpiteer in the world like me. Not the best, but I try. If you would, would you stand if you're willing and able to stand in honor of the word, reading of the Word of God, looking at Jonah, I'm going to read verse 1 and 4, and then we're going to follow through this, step through it together. The Bible tells us, But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And in verse 4, the Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? May God open up His Word to us today, and may we hear His voice in our minds and in our hearts today. You may be seated. First, we see a view, a view of repentance. A, so, uh, this is someone's view of a wonderful thing that has happened to some people here. And it's their perspective. Jonah's called to go to Nineveh. He's called to cry out against the evil that was there. What did he do? What did he do? He fled in the other direction. He does not want to go there. God catches him in a fish, spits him out on dry land. After they have a, uh, I was going to say, after they had a come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> but uh, it was a come to God meeting there in that fish when Jonah talked with God. But after that occurred, uh, the people, Jonah then does what he's called by God to do. The people repent, the king repents, a glorious forgiveness takes place, and God does not visit upon them with a great calamity that he has promised he would if they did not repent. At this point, we should have, and think about this, okay? So you have a prophet sent to Nineveh. Repent, y'all. Y'all got to repent. <laughs> y'all got to do. Y'all got to. You, you got to straighten up, and they do. You should logically have a prophet right now who's jumping up and down, excited beyond all measure, because he has been a part of people repenting and turning to God. You should have a prophet who has a picture on Instagram of him jumping up in the air, being very excited, not just celebrating Leap Day yesterday, but celebrating the fact that God has done a mighty act a mighty work of forgiveness, and these people have repented. 
And this is what you should have here. You should have a prophet who is just beside himself. I mean, you should have a prophet who's all excited, thinking, wow, look at this. God did it again. God did it again. These people repented. They've moved toward God. This is a glorious day, an exciting day. Oh, my goodness. Wow, this is definitely a high point in my ministry as a prophet. I mean, this is the way Jonah should be thinking and feeling here. This is what we should see. The power of God to forgive when one turns away from their sin is on display. What a day. But look at verses 1 and 2. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Well, he's, he's not happy here. Jonah is not happy. Jonah, who is also a recipient of God's forgiveness and grace, is a little more than upset that God is willing to forgive those who have been so wicked and evil and worshiping fish gods. I mean, come on. Get your fish in perspective. <laughs> Balance that out. But these people were worshiping a fish god, not the God. And Jonah says, look at them. They're terrible. They're evil. They're horrible. And I knew that if I came and said something about repentance, I knew that they would probably do it. And I knew for certain you would forgive them. That's why I fled to Tarshish. That's why I ran away. That's why I thought, man, I'm getting out of here. I'm not going to do this. This is, this is, I don't want to be a part of this. Jonah's angry that, that, that God is who he is toward people who are evil. He's angry. They deserve to burn. They deserve to, to be wiped off the face of the earth. They deserve punishment. And what are you doing, God? You're being who you are. I knew you were going to be like that. I knew you were going to be someone who, who, who would, if, if the opportunity presented itself, would, re, would, would step back from bringing such calamity on the evil people because they would repent. I, I knew you would do that. I just knew it. He's upset. In verses 2 and 3, we find ten times Jonah uses personal pronouns as he shares a moment with God here. Verse 3 says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Selfish much? Wow. Was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, to stop this, to hold this back, this I fled, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger. Abundant and loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. I, I knew it. To be displeased with God is one of the hallmarks of selfishness. I ran across that this week and it disturbed me. 
To be displeased with God is one of the hallmarks of selfishness. I don't like the way God did this. I don't like the way... What are you saying? What am I saying when we say things like that? Well, I don't like the way He did this. I wish He'd have done this. We're saying, I would have done a better job. I would have done it differently. I would have... Ah, ah, ah. That's not where it's found. That's not where we're to be. If we're singing about... Look, what what did we sing? Holy, 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 worthy of worship. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Great is the Lord. Be thou my vision. We sang music this morning that seems to imply that God knows what He's doing. We sang music this morning that implies that we put Him above everything else in our lives. We sang music this morning that seems to imply that we are okay to sit back, to step back, and let God be God. But how do we live? Day to day, how do we live? Well, I wish he'd have done this. I wish, I really wish, you know, wish he'd hurry up. Hallmark of selfishness is when we're displeased with God. There must be a realization for each one of us of who really is in charge. If God is, then He gets to do things His way. Period. If that unsettles you, also know that it unsettles me. This is a big deal to allow God to do what He wants to do. For us to say, dear God, I'm yours. I belong to you. You do what you want to do with me. That is a huge decision. And for us to come along later and say, well, I just would have done it differently. I just think that he could have done a better job. Really? God could have done a better job? We are talking about the one who created the heavens and the earth. We are talking about the one who created all the animals. We are talking about the one who created human beings. We are talking about the one. We are talking about the one who keeps the earth spinning. I mean, the universe and all the stars and I mean... We are talking about Him, aren't we? As a prophet of God, who can only share the message given to him by God, Jonah should know this. Jonah should know this. Can you imagine? Just think about this. And you're you're thinking, well, I'll never be that guy or that, that woman. I'll never be the one that God says, go and cry out against a city. Don't say, you know, don't say that. You don't know that. I don't know that. Probability may be low. But could you imagine being the one to go to a city and cry out against its sin? Can you imagine doing that? And crying out against it, saying, look, you're going to get in trouble. Things are not going to go well. You people need to repent. And, And stepping back and hoping that, boom, something happens and nothing happens. No one gets punished. The only reason that would be annoying to you is if you felt the people were not worth forgiving. 
The only reason that would annoy you if they didn't get punished was it would be because you felt, well, they just weren't worth forgiving. They weren't worth it. Thinking like that pushes God out of the way and it places you in the seat of power where you have no right or authority to sit. Neither do I. Thinking like that places you in the seat of authority where you and I do not belong. Imagine... Imagine you play basketball and your substitute comes in the game and replaces you. He plays a great game and he tosses in the winning basket. Everybody rejoices except for you. Or think about this. A bumper crop comes along and everybody is happy. But think again. You'll hear many farmers moan about prices going down because the market is flooded with grain They want a good crop for themselves, but they don't want their neighbors to have a good crop. Selfishness raises its ugly head in our lives often. It it does. And sometimes we we don't even realize it, recognize it. Remember, Jonah's not against grace. Jonah's not against forgiveness. Just for those people in Nineveh. <laughs> you know, he, he's all for grace. He probably had a, uh, you know, he probably had a God is love bumper sticker. Where would he put it? I don't know. But he probably, you know, he probably agreed with that sentiment. If he had Facebook, he'd stick it on there. God is love. God forgives. He'd put stuff like that out there. But in his mind, oh, well, that doesn't apply to the Ninevites. Now, wait a minute. We're not going to go that far. That's just a little too far. He felt they did not deserve it. He knew that they might repent if given the opportunity. He also certainly knew that God was going to be merciful if they did repent. He knew that God would say, all right, okay, you're repenting. You're coming to me. You're turning to me. We're good. Have you ever been angry at how God has done something? Have you ever been angry at how God has carried something out? Carried something through. You know, it's okay to be angry. It's okay. It does happen. It is a natural reaction. But think about it. Think about it. Who is really in charge? Is it us or is it God? Think about it. Death preferred over life for others. Oh my, really? Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Jonah prefers that he would die rather than these dirty, rotten, fish-worshipping Ninevites get forgiveness and live. Now, wow. Really? This is how much he hates these Ninevites. This is how much he despises them. I'd rather die than see them have the opportunity to be forgiven. This is ridiculous, God. Do you get the idea that Jonah just doesn't like them very much? Again, Jonah's preferring his own ideas about how things should occur instead of leaving them up to God. In a sense, he's saying that God's way is not right in regard to the Ninevites. It's okay for the Israelites to get forgiveness. It's okay for us to get it. But now, as far as these people, these people are our enemies. And we don't like them, God. They don't deserve to be forgiven. But here you go. Here you go, doing it anyway. Jonah has issues with respecting authority here. How many of us have the same issue? 
To me, it's interesting that we can give ourselves over to God, and yet when things don't go our way, we want the illusion that we had of being in control back. We want that illusion back that we were in control. When we let God handle it, well, He didn't do it like we wanted to, so let me be in charge again. How many of us, the moment things do not go our way, desire to take control and make things turn out like we want them to? I'm just going to make it happen. How many of us seek to make those things happen against God's will, and by doing so, we're saying we know better than God? Oh, we just know better than Him. His timetable, I don't like it. I'm going to speed this up. I need this now. It's my money and I want it now. Y'all seen that commercial? Drives me up the wall. It's my money and I want it now. Yeah, that is just exactly the thinking though. We want this now and we want it now and we want it to work out now and we don't want to wait on God. God knows best. God's going to do what's best for us. But we don't want to wait on Him. We want it now. God loves us. He's going to work things out. I I want it now. We become so selfish in life. Look at verse 4. The Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? I like that God asks him this. Do you have reason to be angry? Do you have a reason? God asks him if he really does have a reason. Notice notice what happens in verse 5. Then Jonah went out from the city. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. The Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? There's not a... Does your Bible have a a four and a half verse in there somewhere? Mine doesn't. Jonah doesn't respond. God asks him a question and Jonah does not respond. Then Jonah went out from the city, sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself, sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to in the city. He still has hope that the city's going to be blasted off the face of the earth. He just walks off. This is God. He just walks. He didn't even even say to God, no comment, no comment. He just walks off. He goes. He leaves. Jonah seems to think that somehow maybe maybe the Ninevites will still get what they deserve in his mind. My second question, do you have issues with respecting God's authority? Do you have issues with respecting God's authority? Do you? Do I? Do we have issues with respecting his authority? Something to think about this morning. A lesson is taught. Look at verses 6 through 8. So the Lord, God, the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. Look at that. God's still showing love toward Jonah. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. Way to go. This is awesome, you know. This is great. He's got a plant. I have a side note that says it's possibly a castor oil plant of some kind. Well, this is great, you know. And God, but God appointed. Oh man, here it comes. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, "Death is better to me than life." Now Jonah's all been out of shape over this plant. Hmm. It was useful to him. It was useful to him. It shaded him. Curiously enough, the, I, as I looked into this, the plant is known as a, as a palm Christ. It was a savior for 
Jonah, just as Christ is our Savior. This plant comes from who? From God. God appointed the plant. Look at verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? Ah, Jonah responds, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Really? Mercy, son. (laughs) I know you're hot. I've been hot. It's hot outside when in the summertime when it's 100 degrees and you got to be out there a while. It's hot. But do you just prefer to die? No. But Jonah's still up in this thing with the Ninevites. He's just thinking, and then and, and this, this extra little heat, that just didn't help. That didn't help at all. Oh, my goodness, I'd rather die. Just get, Oh, just take me out, God. Take me out. He feels he has every right to be angry about the lost shade here. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant. This is the lesson here. You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. God is pointing out, who's in control, Jonah? Jonah, who's in control? Is it me or is it you? Who's in control here? God says, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm in control. I am God. What God does, what He will do, will be right. It will be just. It will be fair, even if we do not see it as being fair. It will be fair because the master of the universe defines fair. Ooh. (laughs) Wow. Yes, He does. He defines fair. Look at verse 11. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh? This is God still speaking here. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? I think King James says, and much cattle. The plant that Jonah did not plant and did not cause to grow is worth thousands of times less than the 120,000 people in Nineveh. Jonah has compassion on this plant. He's worried more about the plant than the people. God is saying to Jonah, people matter to me. People matter to me. They deserve a chance to be forgiven. They deserve a chance to be forgiven. They deserve a chance to get their lives right. Does Jonah learn the lesson? Does he repent of his attitude toward God's decision to allow them to have that opportunity to to be forgiven? Does he repent of his sour attitude against the people of Nineveh? Does he? We do not know. The book ends here. When our comfort and our preference, listen to this, when our comfort, our comfort, temperature of this room, padding on the seats, our comfort, music we like, preaching we like, We prefer Brother Craig preach this way. He preaches this way. What's wrong with him? Whatever our preferences, when our preferences become more important than people's souls, there's a problem with the church. When the temperature of the building is more important than a lost soul coming to Jesus, we've got a problem. When our attention is more on how not to step out of our comfort zone to reach people for Jesus, we have a problem. I think the book of Jonah ends with a question for us all. Do we understand that people's souls are more important than our own comfort? 
do we understand that? We, I'm not saying, do you understand it with your mind? I'm saying, do you under, I'm asking, do you understand it with your heart? I mean, you can understand what I'm saying. People's souls are more important than our comfort. How is that translated into your life, into your heart? How is that translated into how you live and worship God and treat others? I think it's important that we learn this lesson. If, 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 if we understand that people's souls are more important than our own comfort, then our attention becomes, it moves to being more concerned about the lost and not a comfy seat on a pew with all our favorite music. It becomes, we have a concern for people. Those who need to know Jesus. We realize that that's what's most important. That is what keeps our, uh, this church, any church going. This is what keeps the church going. Us understanding that people's lives are more important than our comfort. That people's souls are more important to us than whether or not the lights are out or they're, they're going to work or the sound system's going to work on Sunday or the record, we're going to get a good recording for the radio. All of that, none of that matters. What matters most is the soul of a life in this world. You ever been angry at how God has done something? Had, maybe you have issues respecting His authority? Have you learned the lesson that people are more important than our comfort? People's souls are more important. Where are you today with God? Have you trusted in Him? Have you given your life over to Him? Look. Okay. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. You... You're looking for a job. You need a job. You want a job. Think about an employer comes to you and offers you a job. Says, I want you to do this job. I have this job for you. I'm going to walk alongside you as you do this job. I'm going to help you. I'm here for, to answer questions if you have questions in the job. I am for you and I'm giving you this job and I want you to do the best and I'm going to walk with you through the whole process. As long as you have this job, I'm going to be standing there with you, helping you every step along the way. Who would not take a job like that? Wow, really? I mean, you're for me? You want me to do well? Oh, wow. I want, y yeah. <laughs> yes. God loves you and he has purpose and a plan for your life. And he's going to walk alongside of you every step of the way. He's on your side. He wants you to do well. He wants you to do well in life. And he's going to help you if you walk with him. Maybe today you're thinking, maybe I need to give my heart to Christ. Maybe you do. Maybe it's time. If you've not done that, think about that. Give your heart to Him. We're gonna, I'll be standing right here in just a few moments. And if you've never given your heart to Christ, you've never given your life over to Him, let Him be in charge. Maybe today is the day you want to do that. 
I do hope that you have made that decision to follow Christ, to allow God to be in control of your life. Listen, when you do give your life over to Him, just as I said, He is in charge. Let Him do that. You are safer in the arms of God than you are anywhere else. That's truth. Truth from the Word of God. I'm Craig Beeman, and it's good to be with you, and I'm glad that you're listening. If you have any questions, you can, of course, email us at fbcwboro at gmail.com, and we'd love to correspond with you. Join us when you're in town. Remember, you matter to God and to us at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.